Fire Podcast. This is another recorded episode of Stay Classy San Diego, with video production and studio provided by MaxLux Media, sponsored by Dorada Nutrition, with your host being myself, Steve Wire, a freelance reporter. This podcast is dedicated to fostering quality dialogue surrounding all things local policy related in North County, San Diego. Join us weekly as we interview political leaders, analysts, professionals, and community members on issues ranging from homelessness to housing density to elections. Well, today we bring you to the studio Jay Paris. Um, Jay is the sports columnist at The Coast News um, and uh, a former colleague of mine. Um, now Jay moved to Encinitas in 1992, is that correct? That's correct. And yeah. um, now lives in Cardiff. Right. Yeah. Um, Jay graduated from Cal State Fullerton uh, with a degree in journalism. And um, moved uh, when he started to move here, he, you covered the charters originally. Right. And, uh, then what you what you do after that? You started to yeah, you know, cover I went all kinds of I covered everything, covered at, everything. you know, North County Times, Oceanside Blade Citizen. You you kind of you know you pitched in and did everything, but uh, everything. Uh, yeah, I covered the Chargers for about twenty years, and then became a general uh, columnist for uh, North County Times, and then the Union Tribune bought us and uh, hung on for a little while there before they got rid of all the North County Times guys. But that's sure. that's a different episode. Sure, different episode, <laughs> different time. Um, you're also the author of three books, yes. which we're going to talk about in a little bit. All right. Um, but I just wanted to throw that in there. Um, but first of all, um, let's talk some Padres. So, Absolutely. Um, so far, it's been sort of an interesting season. So just for, for people who haven't been following closely, um, last year the Padres had sort of a, a mixed bag of a season, as it were. You know, they, they had some, some disappointments during the regular season, and there was the shocking upset of the Dodgers and the NLDS. Um, you know, eventually went on to lose to the Phillies and the NLCS. But uh, so far this season, I would describe it as somewhat underwhelming in the sense that you have this stacked lineup full of sl- absolute sluggers. Right. Um, you know, a stacked pitching staff. And the team right now sits at 17-15, so just above 500. So it hasn't been a, a failure of a season so no, far no. by any stretch. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of people who are um, slightly underwhelmed by the offense. Um, there's right. been a few few shutout games already. And some of the some of the big guys, Soto, um, Tatis, maybe haven't gotten going quite as much as we anticipated yet. Although Tatis just came back um, from his suspension, um, but I just wanted you to quickly sort of recap the season up to this point and sort of explain, like looking ahead, what to expect from the Padres. Yeah, I mean, they came into the season with something they haven't had in a long time, and it's not really something you pack in the uh, overhead bin when you fly into <laughs> other games. Expectations. Yeah. And they had these huge expectations coming in, and. I really do think some Padres fans thought they were going to go 162 and 0. <laughs> That's yeah. probably not going to happen. And baseball and baseball gods and and baseball just reminded you of what a fickle sport it is. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you know Manny Machado hasn't gotten hit yet. You know Juan Soto was Juan Soso for the first half of that month. Yeah. Uh, you know Bogarts has been fantastic and Tatis yes. is getting back. So you know to to play you don't want to say they play badly, but for being Average, just look at you. You are what your record says it is. So yeah. they've been a little better than average, and they're right there. You know, they're game out, game and yeah. two out. So you know, by being where they are with the after the start they have, I think that's encouraging in itself. Sure. Uh, Dodgers coming in this weekend, and uh, I think serious. it's uh, six games. The next uh, six games against them in the next ten days. Yeah. And we're gonna we're exactly. gonna find out a lot about them uh, right off the bat. That all being said. People have to remember they finished 22 games behind the Dodgers last year. Mm-hmm. You know they lost 14 of the 19 games by the Dodgers, but yeah. just shows you how important the postseason is. Mm-hmm. And as long as you can get to the postseason, you know that's really what you're gunning for. But I think maybe the bigger picture is is the excitement at Petco Park, sure. the energy at Petco Park. They've already had 10 sellouts, and we're just into May. I mean, they would have one sellout a year, and that was, you know. Beach Town Night, you know, and Saturday Night at Qualcomm or Petco, you know, but just the whole culture, everything around Padres baseball has changed. Sure. And for the better, unless you're trying to get a ticket for the games this weekend and a get in price is $100, you know, the yeah. old $5 park of the park ticket is now $100. Yeah, I checked. <laughs> which it translates into you're paying a bigger po- payroll yeah. and everything. So, you know, uh, has everything gone as planned? Probably not. But uh, they're right. They're right where they need to be, and, and there's there's no panic. There's 130 games still left to go. Sure. Well, I wanted to talk about that weekend series of right. coming up with the Dodgers. Um, so, you you make a good point, which is um, I think it's easy to forget because of how exciting NLDS was that for pretty much all of last year the Dodgers dominated the Padres right. completely. Yeah. Uh, I think they didn't lose a single series against them. That's um, correct. And 
The run differential was quite something. Um, now, it is a different Dodgers team this year. It is. It's a different Padres team. Right. Um, you know, the Dodgers suffered some key injuries as well before the season even started. Lost starting shortstop Gavin Lux. You right. know, a lot of people left in free agency. So um, what should people expect with this weekend series and the upcoming games against the Dodgers? I mean, is this still the Titanic uh, monster that it was last year? Or is our extra expectations be somewhat lower for... Um, coming into San Diego. Yeah, yeah you would ever hate, hate to say the Dodgers with their payroll and their, their wealth of uh, player development uh, resources are the underdog. <laughs> but they're kind of running with that this year. Yeah. And, and they'll let somebody be the top dog, you know, for a while. You know, when you've won nine in the last 10 NL West uh, titles, you know, they've, they, they've been where the Padres are now, expected mm-hmm. to win, you yeah. know. And yes, the Dodgers still expected to win. And, you know, that team won 111 games last year. But you mentioned, you know, no more Justin Turner, no more Trey Turner. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a different look. But I think where the Dodgers um, excel, maybe more so than the Padres, obviously more than the Padres, is the homegrown talent mm-hmm. and the player development. Yeah. And the Padres made a, a distinct decision is that we're not going to outsmart these guys right now. So we're going to put our resources into proven players. And they've done that by just looking at yeah. that lineup, you know, Bogarts, yeah. Manny Machado, all those guys. Where the Dodgers, they still sprinkle in that home run, that homegrown talent. I mean, Clayton Kershaw is a homegrown. Yeah. Gavin Lux would have been homegrown. Yeah. Uh, Muncy and Chris Taylor, those were reclamation projects that, through their player development, that they were able to, to rise up. So I, I think it illustrates, too, the Dodgers, the Padres probably have more stars, but the Dodgers have more depth. Mm. And over a 162-game season, that depth plays out. That's why they won 111 games last year. But in the playoffs, when you're in a short series, sometimes that star talent can carry you more because you don't have the, the, the length to prove your depth. You know? yeah. So they're, they're both coming kind of at it different ways, which I find fascinating and kind of a contrast. And, and the Padres someday, you know, they want to have the farm system too because they don't have any homegrown players. Sure. You could say Tatis because he came in when he was 17 years old, but you know he was acquired too. So it it, uh, it shows the different ways you construct a roster, shows a different way of philosophy, and it shows that both ways can work. Mm-hmm. It'll just be interesting to see if, if that depth that the Dodgers have can win out over the, the stars that the Padres have when it counts the most, which mm-hmm. is the playoffs, you know. Well, I'm curious, like, because there's sort of this narrative that I, I see, and I don't know. I'm curious to think if you if you think there's anything to it that the the Padres are sort of built right now for the short term. They're built to win now. They're right. built for success in the short term for for this year for next year. Um, whereas the Dodgers, with their farm system, with their player development, right. you know, they've sort of been this consistent machine of consistency. Right. Sort of almost the New England Patriots of baseball. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's sort of this narrative out there that you know the Dodgers are more built for long term success, whereas the Padres are more built to win now. Do you do you buy into that? But or? the only the caveat would be that these players that the Padres have are going to be here long term. Sure. <laughs> now whether they're productive toward the tail end of those contracts, well, at least Machado and uh, and Tatis, Tatis yeah. Musgrove, yeah. Darvish. Cronenworth. I mean, all these guys are going to be here for a long time. At least their contract says, you know, things change all the time. So, you know, that was a big thing with Mr. Seidler. And he was getting so much grief from a lot of the owners, other owners, even the commissioner weighed in that this isn't sustainable. You know, how can you do this? They have 10 sellouts. You know, uh, Peter Seidler is, you know, no more, nobody has more Dodger roots than Peter Seidler. Mm. His grandfather was Walter O'Malley. His really? mom's brother was Peter O'Malley, who mm-hmm. ran the Dodgers all those years. Yeah. So while he's certainly the Padres architect, there's a lot of Dodger uh, DNA in there. Mm. A tremendous amount of Dodger DNA. And they always field a competitive teams. And they always had stars. And they always draw. So Mr. Seidler, who runs a, a billion-dollar equity fund, decided, I'm going to invest in the stars and see what happens, you know. We know what happens when, when the, the team wasn't very good, not very many people came or the tourists yeah. came or so. So now they're getting sellouts. Now they're selling merchandising. Now their brand has expanded to Mexico where, where they're extremely popular. Yeah, and the back, yeah and that was all, not all, but it was so much Padre fans. And you're, you know, it's one thing to see Padre hats in Tijuana, but that's pretty deep into Mexico. And it was like all Padre people. So it's, it's a different vision from an owner I think the owner's looking at it more long-term, how I can be successful, rather than for a while here, we had short-term owners who would buy the club, strip it down, keep your labor costs down, and sell it, you know, and make tons of money. Siler, you know, he's got a brother, he's got kids. I mean, they're in it for a while, you know, they're in it for a long-term. And uh, unlike 
another family around here who ran pro sports, Spanos family. Yeah. The Seidler family will do whatever it takes to win. And, mm. and does it cost money? Heck yeah, it costs money. But on the other side, they're bringing in an awful lot of revenue too. So sure. it, it's an interesting approach. And, uh, will it, will he be able to hold on? We'll see. You know, will Manny and those guys, Bogart's being any good when they're in their forties, you know, yeah. I don't know, but, but sometimes, you know, people say, well, that contract didn't work. He only hit 212 or that contract didn't work because he had 40 yards. Sometimes contracts work off the field. You know, you're able to generate revenue. You're able to generate advertising. You're able to generate uh, ratings that while it doesn't show up in the box score, and, you know, if you're a businessman, I mean, they're crushing it on the business side right now. They are. As they should. should. They have a, a lane that is uh, enviable to any other city in America they're the only city, especially now with Oakland leaving, the A's leaving, the Las Vegas, the only city to only have one team from the four big leagues. Every other city, every other team has to compete with the NBA, NHL, NFL. The Padres have this lane all to themselves. This is their market. This is their right market. Now. And they're they're taking full advantage of it. And, and they're making some good money. And, and I feel happy for the Padre fans and San Diego fans overall, you know. That was a tough, you know, ripping the Band-Aid off when the Chargers left, you know, yeah. let's face it. And that was a big blow to San Diego, as, as it should have been. And, and for the fans to get the uh, blame for that was was a joke, you know. It was the ownership-driven for sure. So there's this thirst for success through sports in San Diego yeah. that is off the charts. And we saw a little bit with, you know, San Diego State and, and with the Padres can give that too. So uh, smart business guy, Peter Seidler's nobody's dummy. He's figured this out. And if in the in, if the fallout from him, you know, peeling the onion back, if you will, his way is is winning baseball. I think it's fabulous because, you know, for San Diego not to have a good baseball team is like living in Vail and not having a good ski team. You know what I mean? Sure. I mean, San Diego baseball that is base. You know, that is yeah. San Diego baseball, and from little leagues to the colleges all the way up. Then it would hit the pros. And all these kids would be rooting for Mike Trout, or all these kids would be rooting for Derek Jeter. You know, sure. now they're rooting for their guys. You know, the Bogarts, the Tatis, the Machados, and uh, for about twenty years that didn't happen around here. And now it's happening again. Sure. Well, I did want to talk a little bit about um, some of the specific players that you mentioned. So, um, so far this season, we're we've seen, as you said, Bogarts has been off the charts. Right. Um, he's been great. Um, obviously, looks like a great addition from from uh, the management standpoint. Um, but some of the stars have sort of underperformed. Juan Soto's right. hitting about two twenty seven right now, right. which I mean, it's not horrible. But at the same time, he's Juan Soto. Right. Um, you know, he was arguably the best, one of the best trade acquisitions in baseball history last year. And um, you have Blake Snell um, on the pitching staff side, who seems to have been up and down. Yeah. He has a five twenty eight ERA right now. So. Uh, what can you tell us about, um, like, is there any rhyme or reason to why these stars are struggling? I mean, Tatis, it's, it's a little early to say he's struggling because he's, right. he's been back for, for such a short period of time. Right. Um, but, you know, it's going to take a while to get him, you know, back into the swing of things, as it were. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about uh, maybe, as I said, you know, the rhyme or the reason to, to why some of the stars are struggling and if this is a long-term concern? Yeah, I think it's more baseball. And it's just such a long six-month season and we're seeing a small sample size. Yeah. That's like if you go to a really nice steak restaurant, you know, and the appetizer was so-so, you know, you still stick around for the steak, you know, and the steak's dynamite, you know. So you had a good meal. You had a good season. You know, we're in the appetizer <laughs> mode right now. And, and uh, you know, maybe the the uh, the clams or whatever aren't so good, but you're going to stick around for that main course. So in baseball, that's what makes it so great. It evens out over, you know, not always, but usually over six months, you're going to be able to tell, you know, right now. I think Soto, I think, I think he was pressing, you know, it's human nature. Those guys aren't robots, you know, and there's a gentleman who turned down, a, you know, a $440 million contract, you know, which was a heck of a contract to turn down with the Washington National. That's why he became available when he turned that down. So I think he's feeling the pressure on that a little. And Snell, he's always, you know, schizophrenic, up and down. You never know what you're going to get with him. He's a weird guy. Yeah, he's, he's, he's <laughs> quirky, we like to say. Yeah. But, he, but he, he usually shines in the second half. I mean, if you could get second half Snell in the first half, 
you know, he'd be Sandy Koufax, but he's not. But you'll take the second half snail if you'll go through the first half. So, sure. and Tatis, you know, coming back from not playing in a couple of years, that, that's tough on anybody. I don't yeah. care who you are, but he's going to be fine. But you still feel them. They're kind of finding their feet. They're finding their way. You know, now Tatis is in right field. Soto's in left field. And, uh, you know, the pitching's been pretty good. They're, they'll get some arms back in the bullpen. You know, it's just... It just shows the level the Padres have risen to when, when we almost nitpick on what's not going right, you know. Sure. Where in the old days, you would cling on to something that was going right, you know, yeah. and ride that thing. So yeah. I think they're just going to be fine. But, again, it's such a long season. You don't, somebody's arm's going to fall off. Somebody's yeah. going to blow a knee. You know, something always happens in baseball. And, uh, you know, there's the San Diego, they like to call it the San Diego curse, you know, something will happen maybe and maybe it won't. But mm. they're they're in a pretty good spot. And uh, I'm just glad all these fans who've been very patient are getting to enjoy it. No, absolutely. As you said, 10 sellouts so far. That's and right. Probably a lot more to come this year. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And, um, but I wanted to talk about, and this is sort of an intangible, but, I mean, we've we've talked about the stars, but, like, as far as, again, kind of circling back to this idea of long-term success, I mean, um, you've covered sports a long time, and I'm curious, in your opinion, like what you think, other than stars, it takes to build not just short-term success, but sort of a winning culture on a baseball team. Because, I mean, again, you, you know, look at the Dodgers. You know, it seems to be like a winning culture for the last ten years. It seems like it doesn't matter who comes in. You know, they, they right. keep winning division titles. Uh, you know, um, you know, looking outside of baseball, you have the, you know the Patriots um, mm-hmm. under Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Um, you have the Golden State Warriors in basketball for so long. Um, you know, before that, you had the Lakers. So what does it take to build a winning culture? And do the Padres sort of have that secret ingredient? You have to give the French players or the margin players. It's not fair to say they're French players, but I mean, it's a 20 man, 25, 26-man roster. Yeah. And you have to make those guys on the margins of that roster feel just as important as the stars. Mm. Now, are they? No. You know, let's, you know that's reality. Yeah, that's reality, you know, but... You know, because that 24th, 25th guy is going to be called on to produce in the eighth inning sometime. You know, that pitcher, that spot starter is going to be asked to carry the load sometime. We go back to, again, the season being so long that you need the entire roster. And that's why sometimes when this doesn't work, because I grew up to an Angels fan, when they would bring in, you know, Reggie Jackson, Bobby Gritch, Fred Lynn, who lives in Carlsbad here, and they were so top-heavy in stars that, you know, the top of the lineup was great. Then it goes, you know, <laughs> the lineup would just fall off. And if you don't have good role players, and, and, and the baseball game has turned into such a matchup game as well, the righties and lefty, lefty righties, that you, you got to have a full squad. You know, sure. it, just, it just demands it. And, and it goes back to your point of culture. You, and I think they have a great guy in Bob Melvin. You know, I think they have a dynamite manager there. And that's why he'll give guys days off, not only to hit, let the guy get off his feet, but to let Matt Carpenter get a start. Or not only let a start uh, exhale for a day, but just so an, another guy can plug in, you know. So you got to keep everybody uh, involved. You got to keep everybody engaged because <laughs> it'll happen. They'll need a base hit from Matt Carpenter, you sure. know, or they'll need somebody to do something. And who's not one of the guys with the, whose name's on the marquee out there, you know. Yeah. But it goes back to organizational culture. You know, your, your organization that starts at the top. If you're playing for the for the Padres, you know that you know the owner wants to win. Mm-hmm. You know Preller will pull rabbits out of a hat. You know, and you look around the clubhouse and you see these proven players. So when you walk in, even though if you're not one of the stars, you're going. If all these guys think that much of me, I want to rise my game up. And what and once you do that, you've got a good ball club. Sure, and it sounds like from what I'm hearing from you, though, that they are doing that right now. They, they are, are curating and like, developing that. And uh, last thing on this point is I just want to ask, like, do you think that, like, so last year, um, you know, 111 win Dodgers, 22 wins up in first place, and then, yeah. you know, they, they lose in the NLDS to the Padres. And I'm curious, like, there was sort of this narrative by, from a couple um, sports writers that uh, the difference in the postseason sort of comes down to energy. It comes down to which team has the energy, you know, heating up at the right time. It seemed like the Padres had more energy in their Absolutely. dugout, more. Um, they were more excited. They were more emotional, more expressive. Um, you know, the Dodgers were a little more, like, you know, stony-faced. And, right. like, do you feel like this, this this Padres team right now sort of has that sort of team chemistry, that that emotion that they need to sort of carry them in a postseason series? We'll find out. Yeah. You know, you you really can't say it. You certainly think it is. And and uh, absolutely they were more animated last year. Look, yeah. if for 10 straight years you, you dated a supermodel, <laughs> that it wouldn't be routine, but that's your supermodel. 
if you're dating a supermodel for the first time, imagine how excited yeah. you'd be. Well, the Padres were dating a supermodel for the first time yeah. last year, you know. And the Dodgers... It looked like they wanted it more. Yeah, they yeah. did. Well, again, you know, if you haven't had something and the other person has had that for 10 years straight, you know, of course you're going to be a little more hungrier, a little more fired up. But it's, uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. But I think a lot of that, too, goes back to the, to the, the crowds and the fans and the San Diego being excited about having a winner again. I mean, they, they can't not have the energy at home. It's impossible. <laughs> you know, it's just it's a party. It's unbelievable what it is down there these days, you know. Yeah. And the Dodgers uh, were more businessmen. They were, they were the blue chip guys. They were the IBM guys, you know. They were the stack portfolio, you know, not conservative, but you know what I mean, kind of regular mm-hmm. stone face where the Padres were the new kids on the block. But it's a point well brought up by you. Can you sustain that energy? Can you, you know, can you do it again? Can you act like it's the first time when it's the fifth time or mm-hmm. when it's the sixth time? You know, sure. and that's uh, they think they have that, but until you, till that rubber hits the road, you really don't know. Sure. Um, another point I want to talk about is trade rumors. So uh-huh. something we were talking about before the podcast was um, the concept of a, a trade involving Shohei Otani, mm-hmm. um, who if people don't know is sort of the Angels. Um, Marquee superstar, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, yeah, I would say he is baseball's marquee superstar. Yeah, I global. Think. He's a global. Superstar. I didn't want to overstep, but yeah, I, th- I think yeah. you're right on. I don't yeah. think it's an overstatement. It's not even close. And uh, so Shohei Otani, um, you know, pitching and hitting for the Angels, you know, he's been outstanding. But um, there's sort of this sense that you get um, within the organization, the Angels organization, um, at least from um, from scouts, from from sports writers, that he is wants to play for a contender long term in his career at some right. point. And that is uh, sort of the feeling that we've gotten. And Shohei is, is clearly not with a contender right now in the Angels. Um, you know, I, I know it's early on in the season, but if this season is anything like the last several seasons, the Angels are not going to be in contention right. uh, once the postseason rolls around. Um, so there's been a lot of speculation that Shohei will go elsewhere at the trade deadline. Yeah. Um, in fact, one sports writer that I read recently said that it's, a, it's a basically a certainty that if the Angels are not in contention by, by July, that he will be looking for another team. Um, his he will also be a free agent after this year. Um, so, what do you make of the trade rumors involving Shohei Otani? Who do you think are the likely candidates, um, and where do you think it ends up? You know, I I think uh, he stays on the West Coast. Yeah. You know, he we've done this before. He he can when he came over here, he got his pick of any team he wanted. Yeah. He he whittled it down to seven teams, and all were on the West Coast except for the uh, Rangers and Chicago Cubs. So I, I think Shohei will. Will go where he wants to go, do what he wants to do. Um, he loves San Diego, and uh, right. AJ Preller ha- has never been all in on a player more than he's been on Shohei Otani. He's known Shohei Otani since I want to say uh, maybe eighth, ninth grade, tenth grade. Sure. He learned Japanese so he could communicate with Shohei Otani. No I mean, kidding. Shohei Otani has been on AJ Preller's crosshairs probably for ten years. You know, so. There is there, and you got to remember too. He would bring over Shohei's uh, Nippon uh, Ham Fighters team, and they would train in Peoria. He, they trained in Peoria for two years before he came over here with the Padres at Peoria. You know, I mean, so you know he's hired people from that organization. I mean, they are like this. Mm-hmm. So, and Shohei always said his favorite city when he was doing his tour was San Diego. So, I mean, I think they'll be in the running. I, th- I think the Angels. Um, I don't know if they're going to trade him or not. It would, it would be a tough thing to trade that guy away. But I think Shohei, Shohei is going to go where Shohei wants. Like everybody says, well, if he went to New York, you know, imagine the endorsements. He's $65 million in endorsements already. I mean, he does, you know, his brand is almost as big as the Yankee brand. I mean, his brand's crazy. But with there now being de- designated hitter in both leagues, you know, it opens up a lot of possibilities for him. Sure. I just think he would stay on the West Coast. I don't know if, it, you know, a lot of people say the Dodgers were quiet this year for their big quest next year to go after Shohei. That's why they didn't do much this year. That's why they kind of... Do you think kinda, any stock in that? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Japanese community, the Asian community in, in L.A., the Hideo Nomo threw a no-hitter for the, you know, for the Dodgers. I mean, there's a strong Japanese culture there. And that's, if you want to go with a winner, I mean... They've proven year in, year out, they're going to they're gonna be in it. So, you know, I don't know what you could get for him in a trade. It would have to be a trade and sign deal. Uh, he's, he's absolutely phenomenal. And then you look, too, you know, how long can he do it? I don't know. You know, this is a trailblazer now. Sure. So, you know, does his body break down at some point? I mean, Father Time's undefeated, and he's still a young man. 
but you just wonder about the demands. But this guy's a unicorn now, and uh, certainly not in my lifetime will we ever see a player like him. Maybe you, but but he's off the charts, and uh, it, the Padres aren't sleeping on him being available. That's us sure. that way. Hey there, San Diego. If you're on the hunt for a way to enhance your health, I have a great recommendation for you. Dorado Nutrition is a company that's all about helping people live their best lives through top-notch American-made supplements. Their expert team has crafted products to support a variety of health needs, from weight management to muscle building and more. And with ingredients like Vidogia Agrestis and Tonkat Ali, praised by a well-known neurobiologist seen on the Joe Rogan podcast, these supplements could be just what you need to reach your health goals. And for a limited time, you can get 25% off your purchase by using promo code SD2023 at checkout. So if you're looking for a way to improve your health, Dorado Nutrition might just be the solution you need. Well, do you think the Dodgers have the advantage in terms of landing Shohei because of their farm system, because of the prospects that they would potentially have to offer to the Angels? Or um... uh, That's good. You know, that, that goes back to how the Dodgers are so successful. You know, they pick last every year, just not in the draft, you yeah. know, the byproduct of being successful. But they have the top-ranked farm system. Mm-hmm. You know, they... They, while other teams, you know, funnel money, you know, to players and what's on the field, they funnel money like to think tanks. They funnel money to player development. You know, if your team has two coaches, the Dodgers will have five. If your team has three uh, data analytical guys, the Dodgers will have six. I mean, they just, because they know they have to be better player development because the players are getting aren't as good as everybody else, you know. So... Leading back to what a team could offer, they could clean out their farm system where the Padres don't have much left. They've Mm -hmm. cleaned out their farm system to get Soto. That's Mm -hmm. why it's so critical almost to keep him because you you gave up Abrams, you gave up Mackenzie Gore. I mean, you turn on the Washington National game, it's all Padre Padre players on that. So, and they've got some decisions to make. I mean, do you offer... Soto five hundred million, or do you save that for Shohei, or do you try to sign them both? I mean, it, at some point, I guess the printing press quits spitting out hundred dollars bills with Mister Seidler, although he'll say otherwise. So, it, it's a great component, and it's it's a great story, and, and one that's that's certainly not going to go away this season. Sure, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm just thinking like Shohei to the Dodgers. I mean, that's that'd be quite the pitching staff. I mean, once Walker right. Bueller comes back from Tommy John surgery, I mean, you'd have. What would it be Urias? Yeah, uh, who's Bueller. a coming free agent? They got to figure yeah, that one out figure too. Him yeah. out. And then um, you know Otani and Kershaw. Kershaw and they, yeah, that's Dustin May. I mean, that's a that's pretty rotation. loaded. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> if that loaded. Happens, I yeah. mean, we'll see. I mean, again, as you said, the speculation I've heard all tends to be you know he's going to stay on the West Coast. Um, right. I know there was. Um, so there's been recently some flurry about the Pirates. I don't think he's going to go to the Pirates personally. I, yeah, mean, I, I think he's going to stay on the West Coast. So yeah. uh, we'll see. I mean, either way, it's it's going to be quite the monster of a team. Uh, Padres and Dodgers. No matter what team he goes on. Um, Now, I wanted to talk about, um, like, as far as other than Shohei Otani, I mean, the trade deadline, I mean, it's it's a little early, but I mean, it's only two months away. Like, are there any other moves that you expect or that um, the Padres or... Or the Dodgers or any other team should make for that matter? Yeah, I think the Padres are going to wait and see. I mean, they, they've kind of got their roster, but I think it would be more injury-driven if injury somebody driven. got hurt. You know, okay. they, they, I, they're all in. You know, they've pushed all these chips in the middle of the table. So if somebody gets hurt or they need to plug something in, I don't think they're going to be reticent to, to not do that. And, sure. uh, you know, we'll see. that You're either a buyer or seller, right? You know, and I, I certainly don't see them selling much, but... Uh, you're always looking for arms in the bullpen. You're always looking for more arms. Sure. You know? But uh, Shohei is definitely going to command the most attention, that's for sure. I agree. All right, last last point on, on baseball is um, it's it's only two months in. What, what at this point is your World Series favorite? Who's your World Series favorite? Wow, that's a good one. Uh, I, those Rays look pretty good. They Tampa do. Rays, yeah. They yeah really I, good. But to go through the American League, the Astros, and uh, I'd uh, – let me see. That's a good question. I would go probably Rays in, in the American League, and I'll go either uh, Dodgers or uh, Padres for the other side. All right, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, the Rays' hot start, like, I mean, it's not meaningless, but, again, you know, looking at last year, right. you know, 111 wins for those Dodgers. Right. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things where it just really seems like it's just so much about getting hot at the right time because yeah, anything absolutely. can happen in a short, you know, five-game series or whatever. I mean... Uh, it's just, it seems like 
it's not always about being the best team in the season to win it all. It seems like it's being the best the team at the right time yeah. with the right energy. Right. Well, look, the Boston Bruins set a record in the NHL this year for most wins and most points. Yeah. Got bounced in the front round. Yeah. The Milwaukee Bucks were, had the best record in the NBA. Bounce. Lost in the first round, you know. So, you know, you don't want to say regular season is meaningless, especially in baseball, because you get, have to play one less series if you, you know, win, win the division. And so, but it does show that sometimes you see people, you know, biting bullets and having this angst over a loss in on May eighth or something. You're going, dude. It's May eighth. Yeah. You know, this really doesn't mean much in the big no. picture. You know, but that's the joy. And and I hope too, which sometimes Dodger fans didn't do is to enjoy the journey. Mm. I mean, this is going to be a great season all year long, you know. And, and then at the end, we'll see, you know, what the final chapter is, you yeah. know. But it, it, it'd be, it's, you know, enjoy May, June, you know, enjoy this winning baseball. Enjoy going out to the ballpark, you know. Yeah. And whether they win or lose or not is, is important, but it's not the most important thing ever. Yeah. It always comes down to the playoffs. I agree. Um, so let's talk um, about another San Diego sports mm-hmm. team that had quite the historic run. Right. Um, that's those Aztecs right. um, over at SDSU. I mean, I was, you know, out and about at that time, and uh, like the energy was just unreal all around San Diego the whole time during that run in March. I mean, all the way to the finals, like I was, um, I was in Pacific Beach, I think, during the, the final four when the, the final score came down. And I mean, just the reaction, like the energy of that moment, like I'll never forget. So like, right. what, like... Basically, looking back on that historic run, like what um, what did that sort of mean to, to San Diego, and, and how how shocking was that to the basketball world? Yeah, I think it circles back to losing the Chargers, and I think yeah. it circles back to th- this uh, craving that that San Diego has, and you know, little brother inferiority complex. I don't really buy into all that, but let's face it, you know, the nickname is America's finest city, not title town. Okay, San Diego, if you want to, you know, and I do, but 1963, you know, the uh, San Diego Chargers were the AFL champions. That's about it. And 63 was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And there's just this craving for, you know, success and and winning and and what the Aztecs did and how they did it. You know, tough defense, you know, not guys playing above the rim, not not really the high flying act, more of just blue collar basketball, you gritty. know, yeah, gritty, absolutely gritty. You, you never wanted to play them, tough rebounders, physical. And so for them to go knock off, you know, when they knocked off Alabama, you know, that, that was unbelievable. The number one overall seed. And, and like people like you do, I was in some little, you know, cantina in Carlsbad when the guy hits the shot, you know, in, in Lamont. And, and you remember where you are or were, yeah. you know, when that happened. And I think it's kind of payback too, from a couple of years ago when they had a 30 win season and, weren't able to go to the NCAAs because of the pandemic. And mm-hmm. that team was loaded and they were stacked. So it was kind of like, hey, you owe us one, basketball gods. Sure. You know, we're, we're due here. And uh, for, for Brian Dutcher to, to see it through and, and to have Coach Fisher around still and going to the games, they, you know, I can remember when he was giving out tickets on campus. You know, mm. they were horrible, San Diego State. And, and to see what he's built and to see it keep going and, uh, and to see the, <clears throat> the city embrace it and the fans look, you know, there's talk about them maybe going to the Pac-12. You know, if that was so, they would have the second highest attendance in basketball. Only Arizona would beat them out of really? all the Pac-12 teams. So it illustrates, you know, how 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 much they are connected to the city and uh, how popular they are. And and now you get to reload, you know, you don't have to recruit as much when you go to the, the final two, you sure. know, your people are knocking on your doors instead of, your, you know, knocking on other ones. So, you know, they're going to lose a lot of guys, you know, they're, you got, you know, seven seniors, a couple juniors will probably leave. So he's definitely going to have to reload, but he's got a couple freshmen coming in that uh, redshirted last year. And it's just a good program. You know, you, we've talked earlier about the culture and the expectations. I mean, that culture for San Diego state, basketball which fermented by by coach fisher the great coach fisher you know that's that's a standard and and you have to play up to that standard and and you know Kawhi leonard and you got guys that have gone through there and gone on to greater things and and these kids going in they say why not me why can't i do that so but i i'm going to get in the program see what it can do for me you know what, what can how can this program benefit me how can i grow my game how can it grow me as a person and and san diego state has that and you know, usually after <clears throat> when a coach at a non-Power 5 school does something like Brian did, he's out the door, you know, because yeah. the bigger schools will come calling. Sure. But 
you know, at his age and what he's established here, I don't think he's going anywhere. And just by hanging around, I think he's going to be in a Power Five conference with them joining either Pac-12 or Big 12. Sure. So I, I wanted to ask, and not to be overly repetitive with this question, but like as far as, same thing with the Padres as I asked earlier, it was like, is this team as it stands now, I mean, I know there are some big departures, um, but as, do you feel like the team, the organization is built for that long-term success? Um, or was this sort of a flash in the pan run, keep your expectations low? I mean, for instance, I think of my alma mater, UCLA, like mm-hmm. the uh, the bit they had the, that big run to the final four uh, what was it two three years ago right. um you know kind of shocking the world and then it sort of petered out after that the, the last couple of years so um i'm not asking you to predict the future but do you think that we should expect that long-term organizational success that winning culture or um, should we sort of keep those expectations low for now i think that san Diego state's never been in a better spot mm-hmm. and that while that team was ex- uh, extremely six now ucla didn't do too bad last year come on i'm a brewing guy too <laughs> okay. but uh you know it wasn't a star driven team sure that uh san Diego state you know it, it it was role players and big guys so if they do leave you know it's not like you're replacing the guy who averaged 40 a night you know so it with with the type of team they build it's it's you know sums bigger than the individuals you know it's that's just how they go and i think with the um with the talk and the options of them joining the big 12 or the pac-12 i think the pac-12 would be an automatic no-brainer i mean that's why it's maybe some players shied away you know playing in the mountain west isn't playing in the pac-12 yeah. you know and playing in the mountain west isn't playing in the big 12 so i mean they have proven they can say we've done it you know they've always said here's what we want to do they can still say here's what, what we want to do but Here's what we've done, you know, and that's the compelling argument for somebody to uh, to come to San Diego State. Point to Leonard. You just, it's a program on the rise and a school on the rise, and who wouldn't want to live in San Diego other than Eli Manning? But that's okay. <laughs> sure. Um, I did want to ask. Um, you've touched on a couple of times, so let's get into it in terms of the the, the question of the Pac-12. Right. Um, so there's been talk of the Aztecs joining the Pac-12. Um, I believe Gonzaga has also been mentioned as a contender. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you see that playing out, and is this good? Would this be a good move for the Aztecs and a good move for the Pac-12? Yeah, I, you know, Pac-12 needs a Southern California presence. You know, how can you be the Pac-12 with nothing in Southern California? I agree. So with UCLA and, and USC moving on to the Pig Den, I mean, that's a lot of eyeballs that's looking for to look at Pac-12, Pac-12 uh, play, if you will. And I just think the quality of athlete you get, you know. You're probably not going to get the guy UCLA once or maybe even USC, but now you can say, look, you can stay at home. Your family can watch you play in the Pac-12. You know, you don't have to fly back every every weekend to go play the Big Ten schools and all that. So I think it's totally beneficial for the for the, uh, San Diego State and for the recruiting to say you can, you're now playing in the Pac-12 instead of the Mountain West. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's a big carrot. And I think, again, Pac-12 would be wise to gear out them before somebody else does. You know, we've seen the consolidation of all these conferences, and it's definitely the haves and the haves not. And uh, I think, you know, I think that run, this, that basketball run, really cemented them going to the Pac-12 sooner sure. than later. Yeah. Um, one more thing on this. I wanted to talk about, and this is going to get into our next um, major topic, but uh, there's there was an article, interesting article that I read recently. I, I forget what paper, but it was about San Diego State um, Aztecs, and it was about specifically um, athletes coming or, or not coming to SDSU based off of the name, image, likeness, um, mm-hmm. endorsement deals that they offer. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we're going to get into the, the NIL topic in a minute, but um, basically, just to quickly summarize for people who aren't aware, in the last couple of years, the development has been that in, in – um, in basically NCAA sports, we mm-hmm. now have a situation where student athletes are allowed to profit off of their name, image, likeness. Um, so that means advertising, that means endorsement deals. Um, I wrote an article on it last year about several um, San Diego athletes who've benefited um, from social media advertisements. So I wanted to talk about um, whether you think SDSU currently markets itself correctly in that regard, because the article I read was essentially arguing that some people, some athletes might steer clear of SDSU based off of the the lack of um, NIL deals. And I wanted to get your take on it, whether you think there's any truth to that. Uh, absolutely. I think they've just recently lost a couple of potential transfers. You know, Nebraska was able to offer, you know, X amount of dollars and Miami offered the X amount of dollars and San Diego State didn't come close. Uh, is it fair? I don't know. Is it reality? Yes. Is it capitalism? Yes. 
you know, why can't a kid make money off his name, image, and license? If you're playing saxophone in the school band and you write a number one hit, you get the money, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, why does this money go to these bureaucrats wearing suits who the fans don't come to watch play? You know, I think it's a uh, an avenue of labor that's been exploited for generations. Mm. You know, which is uh, sad at one point. And again, you know, this isn't new paying players. <laughs> this yeah. is just saying the the whispers out loud. You know, mm. in the SEC handshakes, famous. You know, you had a nice game, kid. You know, and the guy slips you a couple hundred bucks. You know, it's, <laughs> it's called the SEC handshake. Sure. You know, so what the San Diego State has to do if they want to play with the big boys, they're going to have to generate more revenue or find a uh, a rich donor or that's just how the game is played now. You know, is it fair? Will everybody get paid the same? Will the you know third string guard make as much as the first string center? No. Does that happen in real life? Does the doctor you know make more than the, another gentleman working at a fast food place? Yes. I mean that's just your skill level and what you want to do. And it's just now finally filtered down to to college athletes, young men and women who ought to be able to benefit from from the sacrifices they made. But to your point, uh, San Diego State's going to have to. Uh, going to have to raise some money. I mean, you don't sit down, you don't beg to, to play poker with all the guys and sit down and then complain about the ante. You know, if you want to play, if you want to go, you know, okay, you know, if you want to run with the big dogs, you know, you got to get off the porch or whatever that old saying is. So uh, they do need it to increase that money to pay the athletes, you know, which they're making so much revenue on the other hand, you know, certainly warranted, but uh they are lacking, you know, initially on that, and it, that needs to be addressed. Yeah. I mean, it just always struck me as odd that you have these multi-million, easily multi-million dollar sports programs all over the country, um, you know, grossing these millions of dollars, um, and, you know, that money is going towards administration. It's going towards, the, you know, paying for the coach, I guess. Absolutely. I don't know where else it goes, but... Uh, and then you have these athletes who, at the end of the day, they're still going home thinking about how they're going to pay for lunch. Yeah, and, and getting in just, trouble for a free sandwich or something. Yeah, yeah and yeah. it's just, it's always struck me as odd and a little unjust. Yeah, and so, exploitation I mean, is a word you're wait, looking for. Yeah, ex- exploitation. <laughs> so, I mean, um, regardless of the concerns over equity, which I'll get into in a second, like, do you feel as though NIL has had a net positive effect on um, college sports in general? Um, on, to the people it affects the most, the players, yes. Yeah. For sure. Now, are some colleges going to be left behind? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, it, have we consolidated into, you know, three or four big conferences? Yes. That's just the evolution of the college game and the evolution of amateur sports. And, you know, things change and things rarely stay the same. And I think it was a um, it was an injustice that was a long time coming and mm-hmm. being rectified to a degree. And again, the NCAA only had decades to figure all this out. You know, they could have implemented some program or gave each guy a stiplet or Wait, you know right. gave some money yeah mm-hmm. instead they just kept burying their heads in the sands and and ed o'brannon and old bruin ucla i mean he was one of the first guys that that brought it up and the antitrust mm-hmm. and the, and uh, just not being fair so i think it's going to cause a shakeout i don't i think you know a lot of not a lot but some schools may just go non-scholarship or just, you know, like USD or something. They don't give scholarships and they have a good football program. But I think you have to get past the idea that we're going to go for the national title this year, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing, you know, San Diego State would have some good years, but, you know, they're not the SEC. And, you know, there's a a handful of teams that are going to be there at the end usually no matter what. It's like basketball. Well, March Madness, everybody has a chance, 60-14. Yeah, but usually it's Duke, North Carolina. You know, usually it's the same blue blood programs that that rise to the top. But I, I, anytime the money filters down to the labor, I think it's a good thing. I would agree. Um, I did want to ask um, on that note, though, when we, we talk about equity. I mean, so the first year of NIL endorsements um, totaled around one billion dollars in, in total income for athletes. That's a lot of money, right? Um, now, given this, though, do you think that? Uh, I guess, like, is there a valid concern that the bigger athletes are sort of taking in all the endorsements and leaving very little to the smaller names and smaller sports? Which is capitalism, or, which is yeah. America, which is, you know, everybody isn't paid the same. You yeah. know, you don't treat the third string tight end the same way as you do as the star quarterback. That's, you know, to think otherwise, Pollyannish, I think. But do you think there's a disparity in sports? Like, do you think some sports are being adversely affected by 
the inequity created by NIL. You know, that, that's a good point. It could put, but you got to remember too, those successful football programs often pay for everything. You know, you go to the SCC softball game or something, you know, they got the best of everything. You know, you go to tennis, you know, True. it filters down if you can get it at the top. Uh, I, I just, it, it's, it, it's an interesting question and, and you, but again, you mentioned the billion dollars. That money was always there. It's just being funneled in a different direction. Mm. It's not like all this new money showed up, you know, but instead of going to the athletic department and they divvy it out, that same money is now going straight to the source. So it's, it's so new that to, to say a, a compelling answer one way or the other would be a, a bit premature. But uh, I'm encouraged, and uh, I just hated when the coaches could get paid for wearing a logo. The coach could leave w- without having to sit out a year. Sure. You know, the coach is preaching, you know, how we're all part of this family together, and, you know, a job offer leaves, and he's gone, and you're stuck there for four years because you believe the coach you said it was going to be there, you know. I just think it, it creates a lot more options for the, for, the, for the labor, for the players, and a great illustration of that is, this upcoming season in Los Angeles, Justin Herbert will be the third highest paid quarterback. Number one, Matthew Stafford. Number two, Caleb Williams. Number three, Justin Herbert. So it just shows you the power. Surprise Williams is at number two. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, he, he's not going to make more than Stafford yet. Yeah. But you coming off a Heisman Trophy, you know, he's, and with, well, the key is that Justin Herbert's still on his rookie contract. So that could change at any minute. So, it, it, but it just shows you how powerful this is when a gentleman still at USC is making more than the Chargers starting quarterback. Sure. <laughs> uh, now, I wanted to ask also, like, as far as NIL and, and equity goes, I mean, um, it's one thing for, as you said, the reality is, is you know, a third-string tight end is not going to be making as much as a star quarterback. But do you at least feel as though the current landscape of NIL that everyone out there sort of has – equal opportunity at taking advantage of NIL, or is it one of those situations where NCAA needs to step in, sort of like the government intervenes in the free market, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, a, you know, breaks up trusts or whatever, you right. know, or monopolies, and um, institutes some kind of regulation to make the playing field more fair. Do you feel as though uh, regulation is needed in order to make the playing field more equitable um, for players of all sports? I think they had that chance. Yeah. And they didn't act on it. So to think now that they're going to be benevolent or they're going to be able to come up with something after decades of decades of sitting on this issue sure. and not doing anything, uh, that it would be a big op- a bit optimistic. But, you know, the other side is you, you see women gymnasts getting deals now and you see, you know, women golfers, you know, and I, I think it's filtered down maybe a little more than and into other sports than people think. And, you know, you can get a lot of bang for your buck, you know, giving money to if you're the local hamburger place, just anybody, you know, it's just, it's, they waited so long and, and now you could see it coming. I mean, sure. you didn't have to be, a, you know, especially with this new generation, you know, they're educated. They don't take BS and they, they can tell when something's not right. I mean, they're, they're smart, you know, and they're smart financially as well. So uh, I think the final answer will play out. Maybe it hasn't played out yet, but it's uh, different. Uh, it's a new frontier out there, and back to San Diego State. Now, if they're going to play with these big boys like they've been asking all these years, and you know, how, how long they wanted to get in the Pac-10, the Pac-12, back to when it was the Pac-8, you know, they always wanted in. Well, if you get in it now, you know, other other components of that athletic department, either through donors or generating income, is going to have to step up. Sure. Um, well, with all that being said, um, you know, I think that with NIL. Like regardless of you know whether you know athletic departments have to step up, regardless of what the NCAA does, I mean I think that overall, as we've said before, not to be repetitive, but the the the, the net effect of this is overwhelmingly positive for student athletes who, as right. we said, for so long have been exploited right. um, by these institutions, not mm-hmm. able to take advantage of the the millions of dollars coming off of their own names. And so I, I think that the important thing to understand is that at the end of the day, this is about the athletes; they're the ones playing the sport, mm-hmm. and so. The, we should be thinking about them and their interests right. first. Well, I think, too, that you have to um, comprehend or, or recognize the explosion of money that has come into college athletics. You know, it's one thing they had one game on, you know, with, with, the, with the internet and the streaming and, and the, the thirst for uh, live sports content. 
you know, the money, these are billion dollar contracts now, you know, it's not like it was a handshake and a couple hundred bucks, you know, I mean, with that explosion, I, I just think it, it wasn't fair to the people who were causing the explosion, the players, the workers, the labor didn't get to uh, reap the benefits, you know, and finally they're starting to, to reap the benefits and then uh, I'd see that as a plus. I do too. Um, well, we do have to wrap up in a minute, but last thing I wanted to touch on is um, just sort of a broader question, which is um, just recapping everything that we've talked about today and anything that we didn't talk about. I mean, for somebody who, you know, as you said, you know, San Diego isn't really considered title town. No. You know, it's America's <laughs> finest city. Yeah. But for somebody who's sort of been like tapped out of San Diego sports for a while, um, who maybe hasn't been paying attention like so much. I mean, what's what's something to be really excited about for San Diego sports as we approach sort of the middle of 2023 going to 2024? Like what? What long-term is there to be excited about, and why should people pay attention? You have a great owner in Peter Seidler. Yeah. I mean, you guys, San Diego hit the lottery with this gentleman. You know, it's all about ownership sure. in any business, you know, let's say, or any organization. And to have a gentleman at the top with those deep of pockets and, and such a deep um, a well of, of wanting, he wants to be the guy to bring the championship to San Diego, you know. They'll build a statue for this guy someday. You know, I'm, I'm convinced of that. Mm. You know, he is that engaged and that uh, all in and uh, whatever it takes. So that would be that would be my biggest one. And then the uh, the promise of San Diego State and what it can bring and a new football stadium and a new conference and the basketball team doing so well and, and the football, you know, football's always been pretty good. Now, they might have to change their ways a little bit too. I mean, they've been run the ball ground and pound. Because you couldn't get the uh, skilled athletes as much. They'd usually go to UCLA or SC or the Pac-12, you know, where they throw the ball, you know. San Diego State football, they, they run it and play defense, which can be successful, but sometimes it's not real easy on the eyes. So maybe that changes too, and you get a more wide open. You know, this is the land of Eric Coriel, you know. So I, I think the, the San Diego State program is in a great shape. And I think as well that the Padres in a great shape. And you know, those are the two biggest drivers other than beaches and margaritas in San Diego. So sure. if they're doing well, I think that bodes well for everybody. The beaches and margaritas, let's not overlook that, though. I mean, it is Cinco de Mayo. And, That's right. Um, it is uh, Padres Dodgers weekend, so we got a big weekend coming up. So, it is. Um, yeah, thanks so much, Dave, for coming on the show. Really my appreciate pleasure. your time. My pleasure. And, yeah, let's make it a regular thing. You got it, my yeah, friend. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Thank All right. You. Awesome. Guys, that's a wrap. This has been another recorded episode of Stay Classy San Diego with your host, Steve Wire. Thanks again to our sponsors, Max Lux Media, MaxLuxMedia.com, and Dorado Nutrition at DoradoNutrition.com. And thanks to all of our listeners for tuning into the show. See you next time. Stay Classy San Diego.